sermon passage today is uh, Matthew 9, verse 35 through 10, verse 15. And Jesus went throughout all the uh, cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pay earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over the unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, Cast out demons, you received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it, and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Team, thank you. <clears throat> uh, before we dive into this scripture, I, I just want to take a, a moment and say a huge thank you to you, uh, Redeemer. Um, I was granted a six-week sabbatical to go away and rest and recover and find strength and energy and strength and energy and strength and energy um, for the future. And I just want to say a huge thank you to our elders and to our congregation for such a gift. It's been a great six weeks. Um, I, found, I feel rested. I feel rejuvenated. I feel strengthened. I feel extremely hopeful about our future. Um, my family and I had some great time together, and I hear great reports about all that God has continued to do and is doing here over the last six weeks. One of the things that haunts uh, the people pleaser in me is I've now taken two sabbaticals and our church has grown by about 10 to 15% both times that I was gone. Um, so I'm really just wondering when y'all are going to catch on. Um, but hopefully not for a few more years. I, I joke, but those are facts. Seriously, thank you, church. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your kindness. And I'm very excited, thankful, and hopeful to be a part of what God's doing in our community through this body of believers. So let's pray together. Our Father and our God, what we need today is to hear from you. 
We need to hear your word. So Lord, I pray that you would prepare all of us gathered in this room to receive the word that you are speaking from your scripture. I pray that you would empower me and help me to faithfully deliver your word. Second, Lord, we need you to move in power. We need you to move in power. So, Lord, we're asking that by your spirit, who dwells within each of us who believe, who promises to be present when we gather, we pray that your spirit would give us faith. Your spirit would give us conviction. Your spirit would change our hearts to align with you. And your spirit would bear much fruit in us and through us. This is our prayer this morning, oh God. So we're asking you to work. We're asking this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't done so, please take your Bible or the Bible under the chair in front of you and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 9. The book of Matthew chapter 9. We are working our way through the book of Matthew. And we have called this series Good News because what's happening in the book of Matthew is a telling of who Jesus is, a telling of why he came, a telling of what he came to do. And as the book of Matthew unfolds, what we're seeing is Jesus is the good news. He's the savior. He brings salvation. He's the healer. He's the restorer. He's the one with power. Jesus is the good news. And this Jesus is building a people who experience the blessings of belonging to him. So what we're doing as we go through the book of Matthew is we're hearing the story of Jesus and we're asking the Lord to really reshape how we think of Jesus. This is our only hope. This is our greatest blessing. He is the one that we need. He accomplishes the plans and the purposes of God for himself and for our good and through us. Oh God, would you give us a greater vision of Jesus? Now, today's sermon is going to require us to do something mentally. So I'm asking you to make a little mental twist. We read the Gospel of Matthew, just like the Gospel of Mark or Luke or John, knowing the full story, knowing the end from the beginning. So if we read the Gospel of Matthew knowing that Jesus is going to die, the disciples are going to be disappointed, he's going to rise again, he's going to appear to them, he's going to leave his ministry and mission in their hands, empowered by his spirit, and return to heaven, if we know that, then the story that Jackson just read for us doesn't awaken us. It just feels like, oh yeah, Jesus sent the disciples. So what I want to ask you to do is I want you to just for a minute, try to turn off knowing the end from the beginning and try to, to hear this story as if you're hearing it for the first time. So Matthew begins like this. God's son has come. 
His name was Jesus. He was born of a virgin. He was raised up. God prepared a messenger named John who went out into the wilderness and said, repent because the kingdom of heaven is very near. It's very, very near. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your rebellion. Turn back to God because the king is very near. And then this Jesus goes and appears in the wilderness with John, is baptized by John to fulfill all of God's plan. And then the heavens open and God himself says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And then this Jesus begins a ministry of teaching, a ministry of healing, a ministry of casting out demons, a ministry that says God's kingdom is here and we know God's kingdom is here because of the works he's doing through Jesus. And so he's, he's drawing a crowd. He's drawing disciples, followers. He's drawing those that, that want to be a part of this work that God's doing through Jesus. Okay, you, you guys with me? The king's here. He's near. I'm following him. God's working through him. The good is coming. So I'm going to hang with him. I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to have a front row seat to what God's going to do. But then we come to verse 35 of chapter 9 and chapter 10. And here's the unexpected turn. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, now you're going to go and build the kingdom just like I've been building. A better, a better way to say that is, I'm going to build my kingdom through you. So you thought you had a front row seat to the main event in the history of the universe. And Jesus says, come on out here. I'm putting you into the game. Because I'm going to give you my power, and I'm going to send you, and my kingdom, I'm going to build it through my sent followers. Now, again, those of us with church backgrounds that have known the story from the, the end from the beginning, we're like, well, of course. But, but this turn in the flow of the story, in the real life of the disciples, is a massive turn. So what we're going to see this morning is the kingdom of Jesus is built by Jesus and through his sent disciples. The kingdom of Jesus is built by Jesus and through his sent disciples. So this sermon today is entitled Compassion and Sending. And the reason it's entitled Compassion and Sending is because what we see here is Jesus sent his disciples because he had great compassion for those who needed to know of him. Jesus sent his disciples because he had great compassion for those who needed to know of him. So let's look at the passage. Please, please, please don't take my word for it. Now, I went away for six weeks and got less creative than I was before I left, okay? So compassion and sending is the sermon title. Do you want to know what the two points are this morning? Compassion, sending, okay? Everybody with me here? Okay, very simple. So first point, if you want to take notes, is compassion. Um, guys, 
there really is no reason to make the scripture confusing and difficult when the Lord makes it very clear. Um, and so when the Bible says things like, this is the will of God for you, like you should stop, circle that, just read it, just take it at face value, don't overthink it, don't complicate it, don't consult your favorite historical theologians, don't open Twitter, just take it at its face value. And here we have one of those because what we get is an insight into the desires and the thoughts and the motives of Jesus. And so when the scripture tells us this is what moved the Lord, like just accept it for what it is. Don't, don't complicate it, okay? So what we see in verses 35 through 37 is this. Jesus had great compassion over those who didn't know of him. Period. Look at it with me. It begins this way. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. This is Matthew's way of summarizing the ministry and the work of Jesus. He uses that exact phrase in chapter four to begin to tell of the, the work and ministry of Jesus. So what he's saying is Jesus is out doing ministry. He's out doing the things that Jesus does. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, now Matthew makes a distinction throughout his gospel between the followers, the disciples, and the crowds. So crowd is, it's going to blow your mind linguistically, a great multitude who is not a disciple of Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So if you're wanting to mark up your Bible, guys, I think verse 36 is a vitally important verse because it very clearly, with no caveats, tells us how Jesus felt. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Compassion means moved inwardly. He was moved to the core. He hurt for them. He had redemptive longings for them. He wished better for them. Jesus was moved inwardly over the spiritual state of the crowds. Why was he moved? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed. They were helpless. They were not guided by the word and the will of the Lord. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus was moved to great compassion for the crowds. Jesus was moved with great compassion for the crowds. So we just have to stop right here. If Jesus' response to the spiritual state of the crowds is compassion, 
then it is fair for us to ask, do we have the heart of God as revealed in this passage toward those who are far from him? And if I'm completely honest, I'm, I'm short on that compassion. If I'm completely honest, you're probably short on that compassion. And if I'm completely honest, our church is probably running short on that compassion. And I don't say that to be accusatory or hurtful. I simply say that because the way forward for every church in the kingdom of Jesus is to take up the heart of Jesus and carry it out. Jesus responds to the lost masses with great compassion. So I'm going to do a little application here. I'm not going to hold it to the end. This means that compassion is a biblical response to lostness, hurting, and brokenness. If we were to take a step back and analyze the whole ministry of Jesus, crowds get compassion. Arrogant, misguiding leaders get terse rebuke. Misguided crowds get compassion. Arrogant misguiders get terse rebuke. Compassion is a biblical response to lostness, hurting, and brokenness. Friends, I believe one of the great needs of our day is for the church of Jesus to learn to balance compassion with condemnation. In what we speak, sure, but in what we feel on the inside, also. I believe Jesus and the scripture and the, the work of the church throughout history rightly teaches that there is a heaven and a hell, and there are eternal consequences for those who reject the Lord and walk in rebellion and sinfulness. I believe that there is eternal condemnation. But I also believe that in this world, condemnation doesn't move us into the work of Jesus, but rather it moves us into anger and hatred and separation and unnecessary necessary shaming of those who are lost and hurting and broken. The church of Jesus needs to learn to, the church of Jesus must grow prayerfully to balance the compassion of Jesus with our words of condemnation. How do I balance that, pastor? I believe that I can in myself say, this is wrong, and this person is wrong, and God hates what this person is doing while showing compassion to that person. We can do both of those things at one time. 
So I'm praying for myself and I'm praying for us to learn the compassion of Jesus as laid out in this passage. So if we're longing for this compassion, if we're honest that we don't have such compassion, then we can start by simply praying for that compassion. Lord, I know what you want. Would you move me to be like you? Would you help me, oh God? Guys, I hadn't preached in six weeks, so we might not get through this whole sermon today. It's okay. And, and thankfully, Andy or somebody turned that TV off, so I don't know what time it is. So there's like no remorse. We're just going to go. Here's one of the roadblocks to this compassion that the scripture talks about. The scripture teaches us that people who are far from the Lord are, are indeed helpless, are indeed sheep without a shepherd, and are indeed bound by their own desires. So what do broken, helpless, misguided people bound by their own desires, do on a day-to-day basis. They follow their desires. I mean, we should expect a lost world separated from the Lord to evidence its lostness. And when we see the evidence of such lostness, It should remind us how much the world needs Jesus, but for whatever reason, it just seems to push our buttons to be angry, to say, how dare you, you crazy people. The way forward into the mission of Jesus is the compassion of Jesus. So Jesus says to the church, Verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. How do we respond to this passage? Jesus says, see the need. And pray that the Lord would send out laborers. Friends, this is very near a command. As we see the need in our world, we respond by praying earnestly for the Lord, who is the great harvester, to send out laborers to share the good news of Jesus in his world. We pray for The harvest. We pray for laborers. We pray for the Lord to raise up and send. So this passage begins with an insight into Christ and the compassion that he has for those who are separated from his kingdom. Now notice the turn that Matthew makes. We come then to sending. What we're going to see, this is the second point, sending. What we're going to see is that the compassion of Jesus 
moved Jesus to action. It moved him to action. Watch what happens. Chapter 10, verse 1. He called to him the 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out. Jesus sent the 12. Jesus sent the 12. Now later he's going to send 70. And by the end of Matthew, he's sending everybody who believes in his name. But here he sends the 12. And the turn is this. The answer to the harvest among those who are far from the Lord are the laborers that Jesus is raising up. Notice this claim to divinity here. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And then Jesus says, I send you. Do you see what's going on there? He's sending them. But the turn is this. The workers of the kingdom are the believers in the son. The workers of the kingdom are those that Jesus sends to carry out his work. Now, in this particular sending, laid out for us in chapter 10, verses 1 through 15, we do have a very unique sending for a particular point in time that doesn't completely parallel the sending that we live under found in Matthew chapter 28. The turn here, though, is Jesus is modeling, teaching, and showing that the work of the kingdom the workers of the kingdom will be those whom he redeems and who follow him. The disciples will be sent. So in this particular sending, what happens is Jesus gives them his power and his authority. The work of mission is done in the power and the authority of Jesus. We have none. He has all of it, but he gives it as he sends us. Chapter 10, verse 1, he gave them authority. Second, we see, unique to this sending, he says, don't go to the Gentiles, don't go to the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Go and tell Israel that its king has come. And, and what are we going to do, Jesus, when we go? Verse 7, and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. Now, we could totally get lost in power to heal the sick, power to raise the dead, power to cleanse the lepers, power to cast out demons, but for today, here's all I want you to do. All I want you to, here's the connection I want you to make. Jesus is giving to his disciples the exact same work in ministry that he was carrying out town by town and city by city. Chapter 9, verse 35. 
Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. What's Jesus sending his disciples out to do? Proclaim the gospel of the kingdom and then demonstrate the power of the king to validate the message of the kingdom everywhere that you go. This is the work that Jesus has sent his disciples to do. For today, because next week we're going to get more into the teaching of Jesus about this mission and more into what that might look like for us. But for today, just see this. Jesus gives his disciple, disciples, his sent ones, the ministry to carry out the work that he was doing. So Jesus is going to carry out his kingdom building through his sent ones. So this is the message that the kingdom of heaven is near. The message of Jesus is this. Turn away from sin. Turn away from rebellion against God. And meet the king who is near. Jesus is the king. Jesus is near. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. Jesus takes away sin. Jesus gives salvation. Jesus gives life. Jesus overcomes death. And what we need is to turn away from our rejection and turn to him. This is the message of the kingdom. So if you're here today exploring Christianity, you're here today exploring the faith, you're here today wondering What does it look like for somebody as messed up as me to be a Christian in a church at Christmas time? The answer is very simple. Jesus came for broken people. Jesus came for sinful people. Jesus came for hurting people. Jesus came for rebellious people. And he came to take away the sting of sin and death and offer life everlasting. So here's the message. Stop where you're going. Stop what you're doing. Turn and consider this Jesus. Oh, how I or any of our leaders or frankly, anyone sitting on that row of chairs with you would love to help you consider Jesus today. Stop and consider him. And those of us who know him, This passage calls on us to recognize and remember that God works through those he sends. And he sends us. It's for us to remember and recognize that God does not withhold his power from those whom he sends. So God sends, Jesus sends his disciples into the world to proclaim the message of the kingdom and to demonstrate the works of the kingdom 
such that others would be drawn into the kingdom. This is how the gospel goes forward. And this is what Jesus ultimately calls us into. And Matthew chapter 9 and chapter 10 begin to turn that key to say the work of the kingdom is Jesus's, but it's going to be carried out through those whom he is sending. Friends, every time I talk about the mission of God, I feel like I end up right here at this little brick, this little brick wall. Will you believe that the Lord is sending you into the harvest as a laborer? And will you believe that as he sends you, he will not withhold his power from you? He's actually eager to demonstrate his power through those whom he sends. So I'm just going to ask you this week. We're all creatures of habit, so we, we drive to work the same way every day. We tend to get gas at the same store. We tend to buy our groceries at either Kroger or Publix or Walmart, and thou shalt not cross into the enemy's territory. Um, I take my son to school and, and pick him up, and I drive the exact same way every day. I know which house has a 10-foot albino python that it lets scurry around. I'm sorry, it's a boa constrictor. They let scurry around in the grass, and I would never stop at their house for anything ever. So the Lord needs you to go to their house. I'm just kidding. But um, but as you as you meander your way through your comings and goings this week, would you do so saying, Lord? Help me see all these people around me the way you see them. And break through my hard-hearted judgmentalism. Fill me with compassion the way you would be filled. And if I'm honest, I'm probably too busy and overwhelmed and stressed and, you know, what's marginal time? So minimally, Lord, would you just lead me to pray that you would send workers here to do your work here? And church, I'm just praying for an awakening. I'm praying for an awakening where we'll say, yeah, we're going to be those laborers. We're not going to rest until we're the ones who are seeing the kingdom go forward.